Hey guys, this is Kurt. And Logan. And we're here to talk about Battle Bards. I thought we were here to talk about how you're a terrible father. Pimping out your son. What? 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 Nothing. <laughs> okay. No, Battle Bards is great fantasy audio. I want to know that. Only things I care about are cartoons, balloons, Star Wars, candy, old people's smiles, <laughs> dogs, Pokemon, video games, fireflies. Do you even know what those are? Existentialist paintings. How do you even know how to say that? The sound of forts, <laughs> ninjas, and electronics. Okay, that's a lot to process. Farts? Really? Oh, but check this out. Lord Ardok is a wooden fortique symbol. Bida octo mon farste outwis mon kasabu haudon fu chi tang gali asparos. Ooh, scary! And this. Ooh, impressive. You can't deny this, though. Noal na o lapireta ikarino ilasa zorge, lapilasa do lape turbs benas. Okay, that's very cool. Okay, Logan. So how much would you pay for that awesome audio? Thirteen point two pesos. There's no such thing as point two pesos. Fifteen hundred yen. Five hundred pinks. Republic credits. That's not even real. That's Star Wars, Logan. Well, let me tell you. You go to battlebars.com. You sign up for an account. And not only do you get that premium auto, but you can get a little something from us also. With the 10 and $25 packages, you get one free track with MFGCast1 as your coupon code. Buy a $50 or $100 package and get five free tracks with the code MFGCast2. That's a half of an album for free just for using that coupon code. Could it be any easier? Buy the $150 and $300 packages. Not only do you get most of Battle Bards fantasy audio, soundscapes, music, sound effects, etc., but you also get 10 free tracks with coupon code MFGCast3. A full album for free for using a coupon code from us. You're welcome. I'll just buy that great audio right now. Wait, but you have to you have to ask your parents permission before you buy. This is the MFG cast. Hey guys, it's Kurt. And also Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan, for chiming me in. Two seconds too late. <laughs> we are the podcast where we're not just talking about the games that you know, but we're talking about the games that you should know. Let me get serious for a second. Um, the people at home don't realize I'm, I've got a serious look on my face. I've got my head in my hand looking off to the, looking off to the side and thinking, everybody... 
loves shiny things. Everybody loves cool things. You know, there's a lot of people that say that say like money and things don't buy you happiness, but sometimes you know what? Those things are actually pretty cool. Um, sometimes, like, say you're playing D and D. Back in the old D and D days, you're you're fighting this big monster in this cave, and you beat them. What's the first thing that you're gonna that you're gonna do after that? You're gonna see what that person or being or monster has on them. You know, um, I can't think of the. Oh, I'm playing a old Xbox 360 game, Dishonored. So, you know, some of you young kids may not know this game, but you're an assassin trying to figure out who murdered the queen, and you're using this mask. And after you eliminate some of these certain nasty beings, you get to loot their body. So we're going to be talking to something that's a little similar to this, except for maybe a little more fun, maybe not as, uh, I don't know, PG-13 rated R. We're talking with Jason Bice from B-Team Games. Jason, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Dan, what's going on on your side there? One of the first things that would normally happen in our groups is, is just on the amount of loot, is how quick we would turn on each other. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly Kurt has never been in one of our sessions. Well, that, that's the best part of every adventure, right, is... Uh... It's it's the best part of every adventure is okay. Well, what what's the loot I'm gonna get? I killed, uh, you know, I did some advertising for the game a while back, and I had some pictures of the the Stranger Thing kids, and it's like, well, you just killed the Demogorgon. What are you gonna do? You're gonna loot the body, and uh, that's kind of honestly, that's kind of where the concept came uh, came from the beginning of uh, of making our game. Nice. So this is gonna be pretty ob an ob obvious question i think we already know the answer to it but i mean it's got a very like D D ish kind of look to it is is that where your the concept for the game actually came from then so not so much D D directly so the the concept of the game it's uh, the game itself is very different from something like D D. but I, what i really wanted to do is kind of layer those those classic D D tropes into the game just uh, as kind of a layer of humor and some flavor for what's going on um, with the action of the game, something that, that I think is relatable to a lot of people. And just the phrase, you know, loot the body, I feel like it's it's so relatable to anybody that's ever ever played any RPG ever. Um, and right now there's kind of a renaissance in that field as well with, with how D&D's blowing up on Twitch and all those kinds of things. I think it's very relatable. Well, before we get into the, the meat of this game, we always like to talk to people about how they got into the hobby you know where they kind of come from and where you've where you started from to where you are now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the hobby? Yeah, great question. So uh, I've actually always kind of been a gamer with my family. We played a lot of card games growing up: Skitbo, Uno, Spades, Hearts. You know, Canasta, all those kind of all those kind of classic card games. Um, and for a long time, I, I kind of thought those were really the only types of games there were until I got uh, until I got into college. Um, and then uh, you know got into uh, to know some kind of other geeky friends, geeky like me, and. Uh, Turns out there was this game called Catan, and I was like, whoa, what is this? Like, this is so different than all the other games. And so, uh, like, many people found Catan and played it a whole bunch and, uh, you know, bought a copy of it, took it home and showed it to my family, and we all played Catan for ages. Um, and then from there, met some other people that liked games and uh, started just checking them out. And I spent a lot of time, um, I I'm in the Atlanta area. I don't know if you guys have heard of CLS Games. Um, these on, you know, Board Game Geek all the time. You know, Atlanta's Board Game Warehouse. And um, so I'd, I'd go over to his warehouse, hang out in his, his basement where he, he houses all of his games and just chat board games with him. 
from there, from playing them, you know, you you get to that point where you're playing with your friends, and you say, well, you know what, I I'd like to I'd like to try something out. And um, so we, you know, started kind of making our own rules and, and moving forward with it. And um, my um, my degrees in mathematics, and uh, so it kind of just hits all the the right spots for me, uh, just on the math level. And then being creative is something I like as well. Uh, so so got to doing that, and um, you know, playing D and D, and you know, just just having a good time doing it. So it's something that developed first as a hobby, and then became kind of a passion. Uh, where we, you know, started making my own games after, after uh, doing some demo work with some of the big corporations and meeting people in the industry and kind of learning just that it's an industry where I'd really like to, uh, you know, to plant some roots. Now, one question: uh, with a specialization in mathematics, have you gotten a chance to play any 18xx games yet? So I've played <laughs> I've played one or two 18xx games. I've got a I've got a friend in uh, in California. His name's Joe, and he uh, he loves the eighteen XX games. But I uh, I haven't I haven't played too many of them myself. Did, did you get a chance to absolutely dominate and uh, put those math skills to good use? Or <laughs> so th- that's the thing about college degrees, right? Like you don't find a lot of places for them. But I could definitely see those games as a place to put that degree to use. So why don't you tell us about what Loot the Body is about, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. So Loot the Body, at its heart, it's a uh, it's a semi-cooperative, uh, dexterity-based uh, adventure card game uh, that aims to simulate kind of the experience of a dungeon crawl. Everyone is on their way into a dungeon that's full of monsters and traps and treasures, and you have kind of this alliance with all the other players because you know you've got to survive, um, and you can only do it. By, by relying on the other players, so you're counting on them to help you defeat those monsters, but you're trying to one-up each other the whole time to, uh, to outdo them and kind of get the most loot, um, and when other custom, you know, when other, other players, when they do something like faint, um, you've got an opportunity to still loot off their bodies, um, you know, sneak it away from them when they're not looking, so there's this, there's this element of, I need you there, but... Um, I'm going to cheat and steal from you where I can, and I know you're going to do the same to me. So I better, you know, I've got to, got to watch myself. Sounds like Dan's games. <laughs> I've seen a few because the Kickstarter is running right now. I actually saw some of the gameplays of it, and I have to say, I have to say one thing, and don't take this personally, but making people, making nerds have to roll a d20, put a card down, and then, uh, well. What is it? Grab one of your cards, put it down, then try to grab a D twenty before everyone else does, and then ro- and then have them roll it. I mean, like there's going to be some super not dexterous people like me that are really gonna not not gonna do well in this this aspect of it. Yeah. Well, for for people like for people like you, Kurt, I would say that the uh, the fun is going to come in kind of in kind of the the playing it up with the the group that you're with because with it being just even a semi cooperative game, right? Who you're playing with is going to matter, right? Are you are you playing with little kids who are going to be slower and you've got to kind of move slower and give them a chance, you know? Or are you playing with you know some really competitive people that are all chasing after dice? Like I've um. I've seen people chase dice off the table and run after them. Um, there are older versions of the games where it actually wasn't a die that you were after, where you, you had a hand of cards, and like replenishing your cards required you to like draw cards out of the stack, and people would fight over the, you know, fight over the deck of cards. I thought I had a great market for, for selling replacement card decks. And, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, that dexterity element definitely adds... Adds a good bit of challenge and a whole bunch of the. There's those moments of ah, I didn't, I didn't get a die, and um, and I'll be honest, I don't win the game a lot. 
So um, I've, I've gotten lucky a few times, but as the designer, I feel like I deserve to win a little more often than I do. But man, some, sometimes it, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I like I like some of the aspects that you have on it too. Like you know, like I said, with the not getting of the D twenty, then you know the last the person that doesn't get it gets an extra damage. So you know, it kind of it it puts a, a element of uh, fun and, and dexterity in it, but it also puts a level of like, okay, am I gonna am I gonna mentally be able to do this right? Because it's like, okay, you know, with the monsters, you've got your green monsters. You can use any type of card, to, any color card to you you know beat them, and then yellow, it's only yellow and red, and then red, it's only red. But you know, the whole time you're thinking, okay, you, you flip over your monster that you're fighting, you're like, okay, what color, what color? You know, you just, even if you have three colors to work with, your brain's still going to be like, what? You know, and then you're, you're going to be thinking about, okay, what number do I need? You know, and like, oh, wait, maybe I don't want to use this number. Maybe I want to use it later or something like that. So and I just, and I think in that playthrough video, it was funny. I uh, uh, One of the strategies I, I use sometimes is, okay, well, I'm just, I'm just going to throw out the high number. It's a seven, you know, seven points of damage. It's a red card. It's going to hit anything, you know. I'm totally good and then what they do they, fl they flipped over a blue trap and I have to play a blue card and it's like this is the one card that's not going to work <laughs> so even even planning ahead like it can throw you for a loop um, so yeah the I, I'm a big fan of the color coding system it, the color coding replaced a, an older version of the game that, that relied on a, a large number system and that one that one had a little more brain burn like you really had to really had to think through it with the older system that, that you had to calculate like your card at different AC values and you had to match AC values and different things and so the colors are a lot more a lot more kid friendly and just a lot faster. So how many times in your testing did like somebody slam down a card and then then realize it's not going to work in that fight and <laughs> just have that look of anguish anguish in face? Oh, it it definitely happens. Um, I'd, I'd I'd say it happens at least once every game. Um, but we also kind of planned it to be that way. We we wanted there to be an emotional roller coaster like in the game. Like you've got this because you're you're waiting like anxiously for because somebody's going to flip over the card and you're you're waiting to play something as fast as you can, right? And so, you know, they do that, and you've got to, you've got to play it, and then there's this roll, and it's like, oh, I, I finally played the right thing, and I got a 20, and I'm elated, and it's, you know, it's awesome. I get to double my damage. I get to do, or I get to get double treasures or something like that. But there's those moments of, ah, oh, I rolled a 1, or I went too slow, and the monster's dead before I got to do anything. I don't get any loot. So, I mean, there's, um, there's definitely an emotional roller coaster built into the game. That's awesome. So, you know, not only in this game are you grabbing loot and keeping loot, but you can also use the certain loot for different things. So why don't you explain to us, you know, some of the abilities of other cards and what you could use them for? Yeah, absolutely. So so the cards that are the loot cards, they're they're pretty basic abilities. You've got things... Well, let me explain. I guess you mentioned it a little bit, the, the way the loot cards work, right? So the loot cards are worth points at the end of the game. You're, they're the, the best way to get points at the end of the game. They're, every card is worth three points. Some cards are worth four points because they don't have another abilities so some of them are you know even better but they've got those special abilities some of them allow you to heal if you're getting low you know if you're getting low on points you can heal back up if you're getting uh you're maybe not doing enough damage you can add more damage to your uh to your attack value uh some of my favorite cards are actually the switch cards where you can play it and you can switch whatever your card is with somebody else's card and they come in two varieties sometimes you're, you're switching and you don't it's kind of a blind switch you don't know what you're going to get um sometimes you get to switch after they're already revealed there's fewer of those but since they're more powerful um and all of a sudden that that six damage that he did or that bomb that he threw out that was going to deal me damage now it's dealing him damage and i get you know i get the bonus and those kinds of things 
Um, and then there's some treasure chests. So, you know, there's secret treasures. You throw them out there, and you uh, you may get more treasure. But you you have to make that decision as you're going. It's all about the the game is really built around hand management and, and making fast, smart decisions. So when you're playing a loot card, you decide, okay, well, am I going to spend this three points to get this effect? Like, is it really beneficial for me? You've got to make that decision really fast because maybe I'll spend three points and then I end up not, you know, I end up not getting any, you know, any points back and now I've just lost three points. So it's, um, it's you know, it's that decision making. I'm, I think the loot cards are a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And also, you know, it looks like uh, depending upon which character you use they also have special abilities so why don't you kind of talk about the characters and you know you know it seems like your classic your classic characters or whatever but if you just want to speak about that a little bit that'd be great yeah absolutely so the the base game the the base game we have on kickstarter comes with five just kind of classic archetypes that are you know uh rpg classic so we've you know we've got the barbarian her special ability is going to let her rage and she you know does extra damage on that turn when she rages but because she's in a rage she actually breaks her weapon so you're you're trading you have to get rid of that card permanently when you do that so all of a sudden you've got fewer cards for the rest of the game uh, to work with but i mean potentially you could do it for nine turns or you know eight turns and have no you know no cards left but it kind of goes along with that theme we've got the the paladin um, and he's essentially just a tank. Like his his unique ability is really that he's got extra health. He's got twelve health points, where everyone else tends to have around nine or ten, depending on what they are. And um, so he's uh, I think in our I think in our kind of um, our our story bios, I think we say that he wears armored underoos. Like he never leaves home without them, so he's got that extra <laughs> extra layer of protection. Um, nice. We've got a yeah we've got a we've got a rogue and um, kind of with her ability is she avoids all the traps. So um, her backstory, you know, she got caught in a trap one time, um, and her sister kind of left her. Um, and it's funny, the rogue, um, if you look through the bosses, the rogue, her um, her twin sister is actually one of the main boss characters as well. So you may end up fighting, you know, her, her, her evil twin. So she avoids traps, um, but if you move fast, you can use your ability to push other people into traps without really having to worry about what you play. So, you, you know, you don't even have to think about it. We've got a, a ranger character. Um, and the ranger, you know, the ranger's playing in back. They're shooting their bow. They're staying away from danger. So the ranger never has to worry about moving slow on a monster. They're never going to take the the additional penalty for getting damage from a monster because they're gotcha. you know they're they're not up close to it. And then the last base character is a uh, is a wizard. Like it's a it's a female wizard, um, and she she gives you the ability to actually when it's your turn, you get to look at the dungeon card. Like you don't just randomly flip it over. You get to look at it and decide. Okay, am I going to play this card or am am I going to switch for the next card that I don't know? Um, so she, it gives you gives you a slight advantage. You know, once you know once uh, you know full round of uh, of turns. So. Those are, those are the five base characters. And we have, um, I think we, I forget if it's 12 or 13 additional characters that we're looking to put into the game that have all, all kind of been play-tested. Some of them are Kickstarter exclusives. They, you know, we go over a variety of other um, kind of classic roles. We've got clerics and some dragonborns um, that... Uh, I think I think the Dragonborn character he's a he's like a fire Dragonborn and so he uh, he doesn't take damage when other players play bombs. The cleric you can uh, you can have people pay you money for health so you're you're getting you know you're you're getting points you know you're getting points for the end of the game just by healing other people. Um, we've got uh, a set of specialty characters that are kind of modeled after one some characters from one of my favorite podcasts. Um, 
they're not named in the game. They're certainly not official characters, but they're you know they're parodies of, of just some of my favorite D and D characters. Um, and so we, we we've got a whole bunch of them, and that that's not including the um, the sets that we have that are monster packs. We've got some Egypt, we've got an Egyptian themed monster pack where we're you know we're putting out a whole set of um, you know you're in Pharaoh's you know mystical ancient Egypt, and there's mummies and princes and curses and alligator gods and all these kinds of things. And then also, and then also a fairy tale monster pack. So if you want Alice from Alice in Wonderland to to face off against the Red Queen as a boss monster, those types of things. So there's 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 a lot of playable characters. That's awesome. It gives gives everybody a little uh, room for creativity and stuff like that, and lots of you know it doesn't doesn't make the game stale like it would because it sounds like a you know an awesome fun quick game so you know you talked about the bosses and stuff like that so tell us about uh how we're fighting you know monsters you know how many rounds we're fighting monsters and bosses and how we get to that game end so so one of the things we wanted to design into the game was uh, a big element of replayability right you always want your people you know your customers to come back to the game and want to play it over and over so when you build the dungeon you've got essentially you've got a stack of boss monsters you've got a stack of monsters traps and treasures and so you you take 3 of those boss monsters and you lay them face you know randomly you lay 3 of them face down and then you stack four of the monsters traps and treasures you you mix all of them up and at random put four on each of those stacks stack all three of those stacks together and so you end up with a dungeon with 15 cards um the game's over after you beat the uh after you beat the last you know the last boss monster but it's random every time so when we're flipping over it might be you know it might every, every single dungeon's going to be going to be different and that's that's with just the 28 base kind of dungeon cards that come in the base game and we've got dozens of other monsters that are on the way so when I, you know, when we're fighting them, everyone is going to place a card in the center, and then, you know, like you guys talked about earlier, grab that die, and you know, we're going to roll it, and then we're going to flip the cards over, and all the damage that's done uh, collectively from the group is dealt to the monster. Now they may survive. If the monster survives, they get a chance to attack us back, and they may or may not succeed. And then uh, once we destroy them, whoever did the most damage to the monster throughout that turn gets loot cards. Other everybody else kind of shares the gold that they had rummaging around in their pockets. And um, the more damage you did, the you know you if you did the second most damage, you you get a, a bonus on your gold. And everyone else that does some damage gets just a little bit of gold. Nice, I like that, and I love the art too. The art is like literally, it's phenomenal. It reminds me of. I'm a little older, so I played some played some games here and there, but um, it makes me think of Dragon's Lair. I don't know if you ever played Dragon's Lair, the old uh, arcade game, but it just it makes me think of that. So I've I've seen it, and I've kind of um, I I didn't realize that until uh, someone else actually brought that up and it's kind of made that comparison. I can definitely see the I can definitely see the similarities there. Our artist, it's funny we've been I've been having his art in the game since long before I ever asked him to be the artist because he had a bunch of stuff on DeviantArt and I found it and I was using it in like my D&D games like I had them like cut out on like foam pieces and was using them as like in place of like miniatures and stuff and um just love the style and started using it in all of our prototypes and then I was like man I was looking around for artists and like who would like be our artist I was like man if I could just get the like just get these to be our art so I reached out to him and he was all for it like he was just thrilled and he's been he's been fantastic to work with his name's uh Alex I'm hoping to I'm hoping to be able to do a lot more work with him and uh and have some of his art in some of our follow-up games as well. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Alex, what's what's Alex's last name? Uh, Treyanov. Okay, perfect. I'm glad I didn't have to say that. 
good up on him for that that art because that uh, art always like pulls me in i mean gameplay is always always what is the most important but like just to have that art too is just the icing on the cake so that is awesome and whoever else the other person that pointed out that it it looks like dragon's lair is a genius so um that was the the board game gumbo guys they kind of they brought that up a few days ago and um, nice and now the actually i don't know if you've seen the background art my wife actually did the background art um, oh, nice. So, so Alex did all of the he did he did the lettering, um, came, kind of came up with the style and the icons and those types of things, and uh, all the monsters and characters. But my wife did the the background art. So that is awesome. And it looks like too on the Kickstarter here, if you want to actually become a character yourself in the role that you see fit, you also get to pledge a little bit more. Which I I will give it up to you guys. You made it fairly cheap for people to, you know, kind of, you know, get themselves into the game. And I love that idea because, I mean, just like anybody that's ever played D&D, it's like, man, I just, like, for me, I, like, I wish I could draw a character that I love. Because, like, I'm running a campaign for a couple of my buddies and, like, there's this one character that I'm like, I wish... I could actually draw like this person, and I wish I had money to make to ask somebody to draw, you know, this character for me. But right now I just don't. But you know, it's cool to be able to you know get that um, to have that chance. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's really neat to be able to personalize a game, and uh, and those those will all be unique characters. We uh, I think we're down to just like the last four of those. I think there's only four of those available. Oh great! So now so now when I put this out, it'll all be gone. So. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, to be to be fair, whenever I do that, like I, I don't I don't think I make actually anything on that <laughs> that particular pledge level because I <laughs> I have to pay for like each particular like individual art. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. actually most of the pledge. So that that's really that's really something I'm giving away just just to the people. That that's one of the things that B Team Games like we're about. Where uh, we we want to be known for we want to have a reputation for like giving people value and like giving people something that they can be proud to own um so that's you know I, I would totally take a loss for people to to have something they care about a lot more and share with their friends is there anything that you have dan because i ran through all the things that i wanted to talk about yeah i just wanted to tag on uh when you guys were talking about the art the art earlier kind of like the fact that it's like the art is in such a style that kids can play the game and not be like horrified by the by the images but yet like you know your diehard uh D players and stuff like that when they see that beholder card you know, it's going to have, like, a very different reaction for them. <laughs> They're like, exactly. no, 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 this has to die now. I need to get this. <laughs> yeah, I would say he's one of the toughest in the uh, in the uh, the deck, the Beholder, because I don't know if you've seen his ability, but he's got Foresight. Uh, we tried to theme a lot of our, all of our bosses have special abilities, and we tried to theme them kind of with classic themes. And so he, uh, you roll before you do any damage to him, and if uh, if he succeeds... Doesn't matter what you played, he takes no damage because he saw it coming. So he's uh, he's a tough guy to. Luckily, his health isn't too high, but but you can definitely knock out a couple of your cards. Yeah, I you know uh, it's funny because when you were talking about also with the Egyptian thing and uh, like the enchanted tale and such, I was actually curious like how far, like how much, uh, basically field do you want to cover cover with the game? Like, are you trying to keep it 
simple rules or do you like the idea of, of oak mixing it up and like adding a few more ideas because like with an egyptian thing i can just picture in my head where it's like you're affected by a curse and now you have to play your card face up so everyone else can know what it is or that like i always like the idea of those things where uh you know when you when you make ancient spirits of egypt it blows up in your face yeah absolutely and there will definitely be things like that added in um the monster packs add in entirely new dungeon card types um we've got because right now there's monsters traps and treasures right uh, monsters behave one way, traps and treasures behave one way. Um, the monster packs and, and some of our stretch goals and that I'm really hoping to get to because I want to put them in there, they really they add a meatier flavor to those gamers that want to be really serious, you know? Um, so there, there will absolutely be new abilities. Um, uh, just... I haven't I haven't posted any art about it or anything, but we actually we've got a vampire that's got a, like a life drain ability. So like when she hits you, like she gains health back. Um, I really like that curse idea. I might steal that. Um, that might end up. I there. <laughs> and um, but yes, I mean we're we're definitely adding tons of new abilities, new loot cards that will have different abilities. As we didn't talk about it, but there's a there's a couple of different variants um, to play in the game. Like there's the base like there's the base variant, um, but we're also going to have a uh, what we call mayhem mode. So that, that not only do you have to like grab the dice, but like the dice you like which dice you grab matters in like terms of order of play. But the the good news is is we're we're looking to go from like a dice that's like like this. We want to put these in there. This is what we want to put in there. So I know I know that's a, an audio out there. So this is it, like a giant D twenty, like really fit solid in the palm of your hand. Um, I forget how many millimeters it is. Yeah, I was gonna say, would you say it's like kind of the mid mids between your normal D twenty and the spin down life counter like D twenties you see at tournaments? Yeah, like those like uh, softball size ones. Definitely yeah. something a lot easier to get a hold of. Also, going going back to your comment on the art, that was absolutely on purpose. I mean, that was a big thing for us. I mean, I've got small kids. I, I, I believe Dan, you were talking earlier. You know, you've got a son. Um, I'm not sure if you have any other kids. Um, but you know, I want to be able to play games with my family. Um, I want to be able to get a game on the table fast. I want to be able to you know play it, have fun, not have to worry about the content that's in it, and also be able to clean it up fast when you know when the game's over because you know by then it's either bedtime or we're tired because we're playing after the kids have gone to bed. And so we really designed the game to be for for families. Uh, we designed it for uh, you know maybe people that play D and D but have families, but also people that are completely new to it. Like it's it's good for all levels. And um, we actually recently got the the Father Geek uh, seal of approval, uh, where they you know they tested it with the the kids, the the parents, and the the serious gamers. And uh, we just a stellar review. It was um, we got I think unanimously in all three groups. They you know they loved it. So uh, really excited about that. And we feel like we really hit the mark with what we were going for. Yeah, I love the look of that. Actually, it's not Dan; it's me that has the kid. If Dan eventually, someday, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but um, it's funny because you know, you know, some people will look at this game and think, "Oh, you know, it, it kind of looks like a D and D ish kind of game or whatever." So I may not get it, but I guarantee you, anybody could play this game because uh, my son, who doesn't really care about fantasy all that much, I guarantee he would die for this game we'd be like all right who we're gonna destroy next you know and like what you know what kind of treasure am i gonna find today when it comes to our my family it's always it's always nice to find these games that are fun enough for you know any age but also have enough me to it to where everybody can kind of have a little like oh that i like that part of that game or that's you know that's a nice part of that game where it's not you know you're not just playing the game you're going you know, like like some of these 
old school games that I play of Logan's nowadays where it's like, oh, let's play Candyland for the millionth time. Boy, I'll do it just because I love you, not because I want to. <laughs> Candyland, my my daughter's notorious. Now you guys turn turn around. I'm gonna I'm gonna shuffle the deck. And we're like, you're just putting them in the order you want. That's funny. He used to do that, but now he knows that I have an eagle eye and that I will not let it stand. So <laughs> So is there anything else about this game that we've missed that you're excited to talk to tell everyone about? I'm excited to see it in the final production because I want to see like our coin designs and things like that. Like you know, our, we've got prototype copies right now and uh, we use the game crafter to to print those and they, you know, they they do a great job printing. But it's it's just more economical to do their you know their kind of standard coins versus printing our own, and so I'm I'm excited to see like just the final pieces. We've got a stretch goal in there to change the character cards from just the three and a half by three and a half square card into a uh, a card with dials. So instead of tracking with separate pieces and having to worry about you know if people are jumping around you know picking pieces up anything like that. Um, you can track right on the card if you if you think like King of Tokyo, kind of that style where the monsters are. You've got the hearts on one side and the other, so we'll we'll track health and how much damage you do all on the one card and have a little more space to show off the art. So I'm really hoping that we can can get that one. Yes, I mean I'm 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 really excited to just kind of see it in production with like the real final components and and because it's gonna it's gonna play even smoother than it plays right now. I'm excited about that. The our our D6 that we've got in it, that we play with it right now. It's funny, I sent out review copies in my original prototypes. I had, you know, blank dice that I drew an X on two sides. So you've got a, you know, 30% chance the monster's going to attack when they attack. And then I sent out review copies and I had a regular D6. And I had to send, you know, this apology. Oh, you know, the rules don't state this, but on a 1 or a 6, the monster is successful. The rules never say it because my dice weren't doing that. The dice will have, you know, knives on the successful attack. So it's really obvious. And you don't have to think, well, 1s or 6s, like what number was it? Um, so just those types of things are exciting. It's funny because, like, you know, at at first listen, you know, some people may think, well, you know, what does that matter? But believe me, it, it does matter when you, you know, you, when you really play something like, think of, you know, just like you said, King of Tokyo. Just think of the fact, you know, if you didn't have some of the things to track some of that, you'd be like, You'd have to do the old pencil and piece of paper. Oh, wait a minute. Let me you know check it out. I, I know you guys have other stuff in place that would be better than that. But, you know, it, there's always those little things that make make a game more immersive than, you know, other than the lesser of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and yeah. we want to bring people back to the table over and over again, right? So that's that's the plan. Yeah, I was gonna say I definitely like the idea of those dollars too because uh, I can see in a game where everyone's like lunging for dice and like slamming down cards as quick as they can to attack. It's like it's like what, were you at two hit points? No, I'm pretty sure I was at nine. <laughs> People just trying to pull a fast one whenever they can. Yeah, That's exactly. Something my wife brings up a lot is um, not not that particular example, but like she's like, well, is that too easy to cheat? And she's like she's always she's always asking me, oh, is it like if you do it that way? Like I feel like people could cheat. And I've got to tell her, it's like it's like if people want to cheat, like they're they're gonna cheat. Like I can't. <laughs> I can't design for people that are, you know, that want to cheat. Like, I'm not going to give them a screen to hide behind. But, you know, I mean, so, you know, things get knocked out of the way. And um, it's funny if you watch the, the playthrough video that we have on, like, the opening hand, one of the, the people, she, like, she like swapped out a card, like, after, like, grabbing a die. And we're, we totally called her on it. Um, but she was, and she wasn't trying to do it maliciously. She, like, she had just picked the wrong card and, like, swapped it. But it caused somebody else not to get a dice because of it. 
so I mean, cheating can can happen, and like I said, I mean, she was just being, you know, she was just trying to <laughs> to play, but that kind of thing happens. I'm not worried about it. You know, it's all, it's about the fun you have, and it's definitely a game where you're you're going to spend a lot of time kind of pointing fingers and doing a little trash talk at the table if you've got you know older people at the table, and you know you're going to see kids getting really excited and jumping up, you know, or. You know, if you've got somebody that's really serious, they might jump out of their chair if they roll a one and slam their cards down or something. Totally, totally see that happen, you know, with that emotional energy. You gotta love that. It, this game seems like it's just, it puts a lot of, a little more action than just your, trying to think. Like, if you just did, like, a straight dungeon crawl or something like that. It's got a lot, a lot of good elements to it where, it, you know, it brings everything to where it's got a little more excitement. When I, It's cool to have that because... You know, it seems like a lot of these games these days have some good elements to them, but they don't bring a lot of interaction to the table. So it's nice that you, you know, you're bringing more of that to that. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, I mean, the dungeon crawl genre is one of my favorite, like, genre types. But my wife's not a board gamer. And I can't, um, like, if I can't put a game together in, in, like, five minutes and, you know, explain the rules in less than 30, she's she's not going to play it. And she's my favorite person to play with. So I kind of design towards, you know, towards people that have that limited time or limited attention for whatever reason. I mean, Arcadia Quest is one of my favorite games, but it takes some time to set up. And, like, you've, you know, you've got to have that time available. They did a great job with Masmora of making kind of a quicker, same, similar feel. But even that still takes a little bit of, a little bit of time to set up. Whereas Loot the Body, I think we've, you know, we've put out a couple of videos. In fact, our setup video is under two minutes. Like, you, you build a dungeon, you pick your cards, you're ready to play in under two minutes. And that's, I don't think that's something any other dungeon crawl does. Yeah, I was going to say, Arcadia Quest is a, a bit of a bear. <laughs> you know, if you want to have a family night with that, you got to make sure you uh, you clear any other activities, because that, that will definitely take some time. I like the idea of a game that you can have up and running within, like, uh, less than five minutes. So you can get the base game for 25, correct? Base game is you 25. Can... Nice. And then you can get yourself in the game for 50, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then is that shipping included or is that separate? Uh, shipping is $5 for the U.S. Oh, very cheap. Yes. Yeah, we, we, we've kind of done everything we can to keep things absolutely as cheap as possible. Um, we're eating, honestly, we're eating cost on the shipping. It doesn't, you, you know it costs more than that to ship games. Um, yeah. Shipping for, for our game is probably going to be around 10 to $12, depending on where it goes. So, um, you know, but, you know, we want to get our, our game in the hands of people. Um, we've also, we've also got some, you know, if, if you're not looking for a game and you like the art, we've got a, uh, we've got a $5 pledge where you can get, you know, um, high quality, the art itself. Nice. I love that because I mean, who doesn't like this art? I mean, I should just, I should, I should. I saw fi- one I... guy on Facebook. <laughs> oh, he's like, he's like, That's I just, awesome. I just don't get it. And we're like, we know people like different stuff. That's cool. Um, uh, one I, other thing geez. we we do have also is we've also got a retailer level. Um, like we we're trying to be really open to retailers and make it, you know make it easy for them to get copies of the game so you know we're offering 50 percent off of all the you know the msrp cost of the game we're offering you know some exclusives that we're only going to give to the retailers that won't even be available to like other backers so that you know they can bring people into their stores and, and have something uh to offer um that are actually companion pieces to some of the other the other pieces like uh, some of our characters are like a set of characters um but the retailers will have like the missing character um that's not in the set so nice so that could be a be a nice little promo or you know a nice little uh uh draw for those company or for those businesses so i love that that's awesome so loot the body is on kickstarter right now as of this recording as of your listening 
go out there, grab loot the body. It's cheap. It's fun. It looks like it's gonna be. I mean, it, I haven't played it, but again, I think it. I think it's gonna be awesome, and I'm so excited to see when this is actually funded. I'm gonna say it. I can't wait to see it funded. So, uh, good luck to you, and Jason. Thank you for coming on and talking to us. Awesome, it's my my pleasure. If people want to find us, they can catch us on Twitter. We're at B Team Games. We're also on Facebook. You know, facebook.com forward slash Roll Rumble Loot, and then uh, just thebteamgames.com. Perfect. And we'll put we'll link the Kickstarter page in our show notes. We'll put it on the website so it'll be easier access for you guys. And we'll, um, we'll also retweet a bunch during the campaign. So if you guys don't see it, uh, you just just you know we'll do it. We'll do it a few times here so you can kind of take a look. And you can always get a hold of us too if you if you can't find it. So again, thank you, Jason, for coming on. Thank you, Dan, for coming on and helping me out with this conversation. It's always good times, Craig. <laughs> That's right. I don't know why I said that. That was really terrible. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for coming on. Like we always talk, you're the best. <laughs> Lord. Well, I mean, that's the real right. He has to keep coming back. So that's true. He he does it on purpose, and I don't know why. So so until next time, I'm Kurt, and I'm Dan, and this was the MFG Cast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Legends, one die at a time. Let's see. I was going to ask you something else, too. Uh, since you have the wall of games behind you, are you sure you're not going to do a walkthrough video about how to play them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd just do a quick run through of Twilight Imperium real quick. And, uh, oh, that's not so- <laughs> just something, something light. Something light. Yeah. If you can tell every single difference between 3rd and 4th edition, that would be great. Oh, well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> that would that would be a that would be a great twist. You know, I'd really like to talk about my Kickstarter, but what I really like are Arcadia Quest. I'd really like to tell you about that for 45 minutes. Talk, yeah, let me let me talk about my complete set of Arcadia Quest because I'm <laughs> ridiculous. So that's awesome. Gosh, you got you got way more games than I do. I think. Well, I do a I do a lot of demoing at conventions, so I do a lot of trades and you know free stuff from publishers and stuff. I I don't have money to spend on it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I hear you there. That's so why I've got like yeah, a whole just... yellow shelf up there. I've got most of their That's catalog. Awesome. I do a lot of demoing for them. That's cool. So Are you the uh, the Envoy program? Well, it's similar to like the Envoy program, but it's I I demo specifically for Yellow. Like I'm on their I'm actually a level two demoer for them. There's only three levels, so oh. yeah. So the last uh, the last couple of years, I've gone to Gen Con and Origins, and um, they've they've been kind of filling out their team. So they've got a pretty regular team at this point, and they they're really good to us. So that's awesome. Yeah, the couple of times that I've I've gone and played their games at like Gen Con, they, it seems like everybody's like super nice and like well versed in everything, and I like that because mm-hmm. there's some areas where you're like, this can't remember what we played. I think it was. I can't remember what it was at the time, but this one girl, this one lady's like, yeah, you do this and this, you know, do whatever you want. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you're supposed to be teaching us this. I'm like, I'm not sure what game that like, would be. <laughs> yeah. I can't, it's, oh, I can't remember what it was. I, we have it too. Cause we love, we had fun playing it, but like literally she, she, it was awesome. Cause she's like, I think this is what you do. And I'm like, Oh boy.
Yeah, yeah. We get like a we get like a day to learn all the new games, and so if you get us if you get us right at the beginning, we may not know them as well. Mm-hmm. Usually, like after the first night, like we spent some some more time playing them and that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Not sure. Um, another thing I was going to ask you too is this your guys's first Kickstarter? This is our first Kickstarter. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then because I saw you had you were talking about your other game on your website too that you're kind of mess with too and that is that the one that your your daughter came up with or whatever is that yeah that was the one um i was actually working on a um a tower defense game um was working on like map tiles and so i had all these like different map tile designs that i was working with Mm -hmm. my daughter came over and was like oh i want to play she's like five or six at the time and so we grabbed a couple of pieces and put them on the table and they were kind of hex shaped and started moving them around i was like well let's roll the dice and see what happens and so it uh it turned into this um this it's more than a dice roller. It's got kind of a layer of strategy where the pieces rotate on the outside, depending they might rotate, they might not, and so you're you're trying to get to a certain point, but you have to you have to kind of make a decision of why well, is it better to move this direction or that direction based on they may or may not move. So it's a, it's a good one for like young ages and has a little bit of strategy for adults. Um, cool. And you you've got an offense and defense, so you you you're trying to get your you're trying to get your dragonflies to like this center petal in this pond, and your frogs trying to eat everybody else's dragonflies. So, ah, cute! I love that. I love I love when when kids want to like come up with stuff and stuff like that. Because I was yeah. just I I told Dan the last I think it was the last, it had, it's been a couple of episodes, but I'm working on a little. Uh, at first, it was going to be a card res- a wrestling card game, and then we ended up making it like being we were using those little jewels that you find at like the Dollar Tree or whatever, the little clear gems or whatever. And we we're right. using making it more of a dexterity game. And my son, who's seven, he's like, "You should do this, and then you should do that." And then, and I'm like, "Those are good ideas, dude. Awesome." <laughs> kids, kids know how to have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really do. It's awesome. 